Well, we are in a series right now called The Key to a Happy Life. And our key verse for this series has been Proverbs 3 and 13. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom. When we learn to live wisely, we find ourselves in better circumstances in life. There's a lot of miserable people in this world that have made a lot of bad choices. And I want to tell you, it makes a difference when you serve the Lord and you live for God and you choose wisely. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 tells us this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The message today is simply that we need to use our time wisely. We need to redeem the time. It's interesting in this powerful letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians where he talks about many deep spiritual truths. Like in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about the armor of God and how that we do spiritual warfare with the powers of darkness. And here in the midst of all of these very spiritual topics he's talking about, He says that we have to be careful how we live, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. we got to make the most of the time that we've been given. I know that some people might not think this sounds very spiritual, but I can assure you that it is. In one sense, our life here on earth consists of our time here on earth. Certainly, we have an eternal life that we're going to be with God forever, that we're going to know Him and be with Him. But our life here on earth, it consists of the time that we have here on earth. And we need to learn to be wise with how we use our time. You know, one of the great rewards of wisdom is to look back on life without regret. Most all of us have regrets, and especially, you know, as you get older, you've got more opportunity for regrets, right? But here's the thing. When we use our time wisely, it helps us get to the place where we can look back, and, and we don't regret the way we spent our life. We don't regret those years because we chose wisely what we did with our life, what we did with our time. You know, the Scripture tells us that we have an adversary, the devil. I know there's some that don't believe in that. Well, they just don't believe in the Bible because the Bible says it very plainly, 1 Peter 5, 8, we have an adversary, the devil. You have an adversary. And you see, he is always working against us. Paul tells us that we're not to be unaware of his devices. We need to realize that he's scheming against us. And I, I think that, you know, when he's dealing with somebody that really wants to serve God, anybody really want to serve God? Anybody just playing church? No hands. That's good. That's good. No, when you really want to serve God, I want you to understand that Satan is not going to bring some blatant, obvious detour to you from the plan and purpose of God. But instead, he's going to be very subtle. Listen, he's a master deceiver. He's been at it a very long time. And so he's going to bring something very subtle. And I think one of the things that he uses against sincere believers is just to get them busy, not necessarily with ungodly things, but just busy with everything. To the point that they don't really have time 
to fulfill all that God wanted to do in their life. You know, just too busy. People used to say, idle minds are the devil's workshop. And there's a little bit of truth in that. Certainly there are some people that, you know, if they got too much time on their hands, they're going to find a way to get in trouble. But what I see that's so prevalent in our culture today is kind of the opposite of that, where there's so many people that their minds are so preoccupied with so many things, they're just so busy. The devil's got them all wrapped up with stuff that's consuming their time, and they don't really have time for the things that are the most important, the things that are going to make the biggest difference not only in this life, but also in the one to come. Busy with work. Busy running errands. Busy with the house, the car, the boat. Busy, 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 busy. We even busy ourselves up with the TV and the internet and computer games. We busy ourselves up in a thousand different ways. I'm telling you, a lot of the time, I think the enemy is in the background snickering because he knows he's keeping us from the plan and purpose of God. When we're too busy to do the things that are really important, we're just plain too busy. We need to be time-wise. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. What did he, what did he create you for? Good works. That's right. Good works. Some people think, oh, works, that's Old Testament. Well, you're a little confused. We're not living under the law, we're living under grace. But God absolutely saved us for good works. We're not saved by works, but we're saved for good works. He created us for good works, which God prepared in advance beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, there are things that God wants you to do, things that God wants you to fulfill. And he created you for that purpose. And the enemy of your soul wants to keep you from what God wants you to do. And one of the best ways for him to do that is just to get you too busy. He wants to keep you from having time for meaningful relationships. That's what really makes a difference in eternity. He wants to keep you from being involved in ministry. He wants to keep you from having time just to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. He wants to get you so busy, you don't even have time to hear from God. You running down the road 100 miles an hour, God speak to me. No, the enemy of your soul is at work. 2 Corinthians 5.10 in the NIV says this, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what is due us, whether good or bad. I want to tell you, we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ for reward. But notice this, he says, what we have done in the body, while we were in this human body. He's talking about while we're here on this earth, while we have time. How did we spend our time? The time we had here in this body, that's going to determine our eternity. That's going to determine our reward in eternity. 
And we need to realize that the enemy of our soul is always trying to slow us down and keep us from the things of God. But instead, we need to be purposeful, intentional about how we use our time. Listen to this. When you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, one of the strange things there is that he never seemed to be in a hurry. Jesus had time to pray. Jesus had time to pick up little children and bless them. Jesus had time for a woman at the well who had had five husbands. I'm just telling you, Jesus had time for people that didn't deserve it. He, he had time to do everything that the Father had given him to do. Everything. In three years of ministry, he accomplished more than those guys in the Old Testament that lived 900 years. In three years of ministry, he accomplished more than all of the rest of mankind for all of history. Amazing. You see, we need to realize how big our God is. And when it, when it comes to our time, we need to realize that God knows what's best. We need to use our time wisely And just be aware that it's so valuable to God and it needs to be valuable to us. Jesus, in three years, did so much. What if you only had three years? What if you only had three years from right now? You see, people that are diagnosed with a terminal illness apart from a miracle from God, they count that time, those three years, as precious, as valuable, and they don't want to waste a moment of it. And let me tell you what is valuable. They're not concerned about making another million. It's their relationships. It's their loved ones and their friends. And it's people that they want to touch, whose lives they want to touch. That's what they deem is really valuable. But here's the, the real point I want to make. That time is precious. It's valuable. So part of the problem for us a lot of the time is that we think time is unlimited. But it's not. We have to learn to treasure time. Now, we want to learn to redeem the time. And so to do that this morning, we're going to use the four letters in the word time to help us remember how. First, we have to treasure time. You've got to realize that time is short. In view of eternity, it's so brief. James 4, 13 and 14. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy, sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It appears for a little time and it vanishes away. We need to realize that our life here on earth is made up of time. The time that we have. And it's like a vapor. It appears for a little while. 
and then it vanishes away. In the view of eternity, oh, it is so brief and so short. Benjamin Franklin said, do not squander time, for it is the stuff life is made of. How we spend our time, that's how we spend our life. See, nobody, most people, they don't think anything about wasting a little time. Big deal. Let's talk about wasting a life. Oh, no, 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 nobody wants to waste their life. But when we waste time, we are wasting a piece of our life. Because our life here on earth is made up of the time that we have in this body, in this world. You see, one of the ways that we really waste time is thinking that we have lots of time. It is one of the quickest roads to regret, to not take action, to just let the days go by. It's that someday syndrome. You know, someday when I get out of the house. Someday when I get married. Someday when I get caught up. Okay, let me know what that's like. You know what I'm saying? Someday I'm going to slow down and enjoy my children. Someday I'm going to read the Bible. Someday I'm going to start saving. Someday I'm going to get in shape. Someday I'm going to get involved in the work of the Lord. Not right now, I'm too busy, but someday I'm going to get involved in the work of the Lord. Someday, you know, when the kids move out. Someday when I retire. Someday. Here's the problem. Someday is not a day of the week. And it never comes. And there are a whole lot of people that waste a whole lot of time. They just treated it as though it was nothing. And it's so valuable and so precious. And I want you to understand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just running off and doing foolish things. No, I'm talking about if there are things that you know that you were supposed to be doing, quit procrastinating, do it now. Start now. Make up your mind. You're not going to waste any more time, but you're going to do the things that you're supposed to do. I say it this way, you swallow the frog. I mean, there's things that you've just been putting off. You don't want do it. It's a, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say this very often, I can assure you, but we need a little Larry the Cable Guy mentality. <laughs> Only time you'll ever hear me say that. But you see, if there's things that you know you should be doing, just get her done. Quit fooling around. Quit wasting time. It is the most valuable commodity that you have. You got to do it now because tomorrow is not promised. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 in the NIV, it says it this way. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) See, this is how you redeem the time. You make the most of it. Treasure every moment you have. Yesterday is history. Today is a mystery, or tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. See, some people too focused on the past, and some people, well, someday, but it's right now is the moment we live in, and we've got to make use of that time. You know, some people say time is money. Anybody ever heard that? Time is money. Well, It's not true because time is much more valuable than money. It might be difficult, but you can make more money. You can't make more time. 
I know people think they can, but the truth is, well, it's just like A.W. Tozer said, time is a resource that's non-renewable, non-transferable. You can't store it up, slow it up, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember, it has no resurrection. It is our most valuable commodity, and it just keeps going by. Every moment of every day, you can't stop it. Time just keeps going. And so we have to learn to treasure it and value it. Spend it wisely by making wise choices. Psalm 90 and verse 12 in the NIV says, Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You see, when we realize that our time is limited, when we realize that each day matters, then we develop a heart of wisdom in regard to time. He's not talking about that you actually know your number of days. No, he's talking about being wise about that length of our lives that we know that it's limited. We can't be promised tomorrow. I heard about a a man that he at least numbered his weeks. You know, most of us, we don't number our days. We just barely number our years, right? But we don't ever number our days. But this guy decided he was going to number his weeks. And so he realized this when he was 55 years old. He said that he had about a thousand weeks left in his life. And so he got, that, that would be at 75 or around 75. He said that's an average lifespan. So he got him a thousand marbles and he put them in this big jar And each week on Saturday night, he would take another marble out of the jar. And over the years, as he saw the jar, the marbles go down in the jar, he realized how precious each week was until finally he took the last marble out of the jar and he just, he said, well, every every week that I have from this point forward is just an extra gift from God. But you see, it helped him to realize the value of his time as it was passing. And you know, for some of us who are a little older, that becomes more of a reality. But I want you to know, young people, you still only have a limited time. It's just going to be real short if the Lord tarries. It's going to be real short, and you're going to be an old geezer like me. (laughs) You got to use the time that you have right now, it's so valuable. It's so precious. Psalm 39 and 4 says, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. That kind of violates the male ego. But I want to tell you, time, there is a time appointed for a man to die and then the judgment. We need to realize that that time is limited for all of us. And when you understand that time is the most valuable asset that you have, then you understand that you have to invest it wisely. That's our next letter, I, for invest. We need to realize how limited it is. You just, you can't make more, so you got to be wise with how you use it. You know, one of the best ways to do that is to use the cumulative value of investing small amounts of time into certain things. You know, that's kind of the way an investment works. Uh, Some people, you know, their idea of investing is to buy a lottery ticket 
and see what happens, that's not investing, okay? And that doesn't work out too well for most people. Investing, investors will tell you what you do is you put your money into something that's going to bring returns down the road. And this is one of the things about making wise choices is a lot of the time, well, there may be benefits right now, but the big returns are coming down the road. And that's the way it is when we invest our time in the right ways. It may just be small daily investments, but it brings a big return. You know, most people, if their lives are in a mess, I want to tell you that they didn't usually get that way overnight. And here's the thing. Most of the time, their lives are not going to be fixed overnight either. I mean, God can do a miracle, but I just want you to understand that most of the time, there's going to be a process. It's going to take time as you make wise choices. See, we use these phrases that aren't really possible about time. We say, you know, here's the thing. You, you can't buy more time. You can't really find more time. You can't make more time. No, none of those things work. You can't save time. You can only invest it. We got all these time-saving devices, you know, microwaves and, you know, guys, we always like to take a shortcut to save time. Show me the time you've saved, right? See? None of that really works. It just keeps going. At a graduation commencement at his alma mater, Wheaton College, Billy Graham said, time is the capital that God has given us to invest. People are the stocks and bonds in which we are to invest our time, whether they're blue chips or penny stocks or even junk bonds. I was one of those. People. That's where we invest our time. You see, when you invest time in your marriage, you are going to have a good return down the road. When you invest time in your children, you're going to have a good return down the road. When you neglect your marriage, you're going to have trouble down the road. And here's the thing. A a two-day weekend seminar isn't necessarily going to fix everything. I'm not saying that's not a good thing. A marriage seminar might help you get turned around. But I'm just telling you, you're going to have to start spending time the right way, investing in your marriage for it to really be healthy and good. Let me give you a few things that we need to invest in. Just small amounts of time on a consistent basis. Dinner with family. Going to church. Getting involved in a small group. You know, people that you actually get to know in the body of Christ, rub shoulders with, pray, pray with, those kinds of things. Time alone with God, yes. Quality time with your children, quality time with your spouse. But you see, a lot of things in this life that we, we don't see a big change right now, but it's over time we see the harvest, we see the fruit of investing in those things. When I pastored in small town Oklahoma, there were three parsonages on one block. The First Baptist pastor lived there. The First Methodist pastor lived there, and we did. And it was amazing to me that, you know, we all had kids about the same age, and all of our kids all made straight A's. 
And I'm thinking, yeah, because, you know, we're so spiritual. <laughs> I was talking with an aunt of mine who was an educator for her whole life. And she said, well, what the reason, the cause of that really is that those families, you have that, that time where you sit down at the table on a regular basis. And she said, you know, when you do that, it brings a sense of security and stability to those children. They're in a place, an environment where they can learn and grow. And I, I did a little bit of research on that, and it was exactly, you know, what she said. That it bore that out. And it has such an impact on their social development. But we as believers also know this. It gives us that opportunity again and again and again to impart values, to help them navigate through the landmines of life, to talk to them about what's going on in their day and to help them through it. It just provides so much opportunity to impact their future. I want to tell you that will impact yours. But it takes time. Now, if you say, well, I don't have time or I don't have that place in my schedule. There's no way we can always have dinner together. Well, I understand that. You better figure out something, though. You can't neglect that. The Bible says a child left to himself will disgrace his mother. You can't neglect that. You've got to figure out a way that you can. Not once a year we're going to go on vacation, then that'll be good. No, you're going to have to have some daily investments. See, you can miss church one Sunday. It's probably not going to affect you significantly. But when you allow it to become a habit, I want to tell you, over time, it's going to change your spiritual life. You are not going to fulfill all that God had for you. It's going to be difficult for you to be involved in ministry, at least to the degree that the Lord wanted you to be. But if you're faithful to church, you're going to grow in the Lord. If you're faithful in church, you're going to build relationships with other people that will strengthen you and help you. If you're faithful to church, it's going to become easier for you to get involved in the work of the Lord and fulfill what God wanted to do through you. Amen. You see, it's that little, those little things, see. So often the enemy says, no big deal, no big deal. But there's a payoff. And those little investments, remember, we're not wasting time. We don't just want to spend it. You want to invest it in something that matters. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And certainly, I think he was talking about money, but I think our time is an even more valuable treasure. So... How are you spending your time? There's 168 hours in each week. The average person will spend about 50 of those hours sleeping. I wish. (laughs) I'm below average. About 50 of those hours working and or traveling to and from work. About 14 of those hours eating and personal hygiene. And it's safe to say that most adults are going to spend at least 19 or 20 hours a week taking care of personal business like shopping and cleaning and doing the yard and taking care of the kids and taking care of the cars and paying the bills and just all the details of having a home and life. That means on average, 
There's only about 35 hours a week of discretionary time left over. Now understand, yours may vary a little bit, but this is kind of an average. 35 hours a week left over that we could call discretionary time. That means five hours a day. I know some of you are thinking, I don't have five hours a day. Well, you need to hear this message. But most of us, on average, have about five hours a day of discretionary time. How are we spending that five hours? How are we investing it? Are we really making good use of it? Are we allowing the enemy just to keep us busy so that five hours is bringing us little or no return? In the critical areas of life, you can't just always make up for the time that you've wasted. I mean, you might be able to cram for a test and make up for your lack of studying. You might be able to work super hard at work and make up for the time you wasted at work. But when it comes to relationships, you just can't make up for lost time. It doesn't work that way. And I just want to tell you that five hours is so valuable. That discretionary time. Do you have time for the Lord just to have a devotional time and just to be with the Lord every day? If you don't, the enemy's running you ragged. Listen, do you have time to be involved in some way in the work of the Lord? Do you have time to help somebody along your way? Are you just too busy? I'm telling you, we all have 24 hours in a day. Jesus had 24 hours in a day. And we need to figure this out and become time-wise. You have to invest it. Decide what you're going to invest it in. Next is M for manage. All the time we receive comes from God. It is a gift that we have been given, and we have to be stewards of it. When we say, I just don't know where the time went, we're not being a good manager of our time. How much time is wasted on the TV, the internet, the phone, Facebook, Instagram, whatever else, games, all these electronic devices, you know, those time-saving devices? (laughs) What a lie time-wasting devices. We'll have a little fun with this. Listen, if you spend two hours a day, every day, on your phone, watching the TV, playing on the computer, doing games, whatever, social media, listen, two hours a day, at the end of a year, you will have spent one month of 24-hour days a month of 24-hour days, a full month of your life doing those activities. That's scary. But then when you break it down, you know, most of us consider an eight-hour day to be a work day. You will have spent three months of eight-hour days doing those activities. Now, two hours is super conservative in our generation. Some say that a lot of young people spend as much as seven hours a day on a screen. So we'll just say four hours. What if you spend four hours a day watching TV, on the computer, 
playing games, whatever else, four hours a day. At the end of the year, you will have spent two full months of 24-hour days doing those activities. At the end of the year, you will have spent six months of eight-hour days doing those activities. That is shocking that four hours a day, I mean, that's a simple math, four hours a day, that means eight hours a day for six months. Why? Because people are too convinced that at the time that it doesn't really matter. It matters. I mean, if, if, if the enemy of your soul came up to you and said, hey, I want you to give me two months of your life this year. Just be busy. You would say, no way. We need to realize, and let me just clarify to you. I'm not talking about throwing away your phone or ditching your computer. Those things really can be used for good. They really can be time savers. But for so many people, they become a huge time pit. They are time wasters. And you need to manage your time. You need to get a hold of that and realize how the enemy has been using that against you. Don't use your time with fruitless activities. You see, we got to learn to say no to the things that eat up our time, the things that steal away our time. you got to create some margin in your life. Most of us, are, we're just so busy, we just can't ever seem to find any extra time. And the only way that you're ever going to do that is you have to be willing to say no to some things. And for most of us, that means that the things that we're doing right now in our life every week, we're going to have to say no to some things to make some margin so that when God says, hey, I got something I want you to do. I want you to talk to... We got some margin where we can say, yes, Lord. I want to tell you one of the things that hinders so many people in getting involved in the work of the ministry here at the churches. They're sincere and they say, I want to get involved. And then when you talk to them about the time demand and, you know, okay, this is what you need to do and you be here at this time and this is how this works, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. You're going to have to say no to some things to do what God wants you to do. But I'd rather say no to some of that silly, frivolous stuff than to say no to God. I want to be available. And you need to create margin in your life so that you can be available. Time management experts teaching a bunch of executives, and he places a large, clear jar in front of the group, and he takes seven or eight big rocks, and he puts them down in the jar. And he says, and it fills it up to the top. He says, is the jar full? They say, yeah, it's full. Then he gets a bunch of pebbles, and he pours pebbles in there until the jar is full. He says, is the jar full? Well, this time they're a little quiet, you know. They kind of figured out from the first time that, Some of them nod. Then he gets some sand and he pours sand into the jar until it's full. Is the jar full? Nobody says a word. Then he gets a bucket of water and he pours it into the jar until it's overflowing. Is the jar full? Yes, it's full. He says, now what do we learn from this? And they all agreed that no matter how busy we are in our life and how much time, you know, we can always add one more thing. He said, no, 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 no. What we learn from this is that if you don't put the big rocks in first, the important things, you won't ever get them in. 
That's the way time management works. You have to make the Lord himself the most important thing. That no matter what else you get in your jar of your time, you've got God in there. You've got to make your family, those loved ones, your close relationships, your friendships, you've got to make those a priority in your life. That you're not missing that. If you, don't, if you miss this, you miss that, whatever else, you're not missing that. Amen. You've got to make the work of the Lord a priority in your life. The things that are going to matter in eternity, that that's important. And you've made a place for that in your time schedule. Right. And then all that other stuff, you fit in where you can. But you've got to have the big things or you won't ever get them in. Because right. I can assure you the little things will always crowd them out if you don't get those in first. If you're going to manage your time wisely, I'm going to say this again, you got to have some margin. You know, Jesus was never running from appointment to appointment, and yet he was always where he needed to be, at the right time in the right place. And we need to live that way, where we're not just frayed all the time and so hurried all the time, and life seems to be so hard. I tell you, that's not what God wants for you. That is a bondage, and you just need to understand that if, if that's the way it's been for you, it's time for you to get free. You see, here's the last letter, is E, and it is for enjoy. We should enjoy our time here on this earth. We, we should enjoy being a part of what God is doing. We should enjoy our loved ones, our relationships. You see, that's what's, that's what's really important. That's what matters in eternity. I mean, it's, it's what we enjoy. We enjoy relationships. Well, let's just start with the most important one, right? It's God. Amen. We enjoy the Lord. See, some people, they just, they're so afraid and, and hurried that they don't even enjoy their time with the Lord. Prayer is just one more thing i got to do. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You see, our time with the Lord should be something that we enjoy. We should enjoy our time with our family. I think there are a lot of parents that feel so stressed and they're under so much pressure that they don't even really enjoy those family times like they should. We need to enjoy being involved in the work of the ministry and doing what God wants us to do. I mean, there's, there's no greater joy than being used of God in some way to have a part in somebody else's life being changed. There's such joy in that. You know, the story of Jesus hearing about his friend Lazarus being sick, it just amazes me that when Jesus hears this story, he doesn't pack up and leave immediately to go see his friend, but he waits until Lazarus has died. But you see, Jesus knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. He told the disciples, I'm glad for your sake that you might believe. He knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. And here's what I'm saying to you about this. You need to realize that God is still God. You think that you got to do this, you got to take care of this, you got to get it all done, you got to. He's still God. 
You need to do what you're supposed to do. But I'm telling you, don't let the enemy run you ragged. That's not God. God's not pushing you like that. That's the enemy. You need to realize that God is big enough to get you where you need to be, when you need to be. And here's the biggest thing. He can flat out help you get her done. It's amazing what happens when the blessing of God is on your hands instead of you just struggling, striving in pride and in the flesh. Oh, how we need the Lord's help. But I want to tell you something. We can enjoy our time. Nobody on their deathbed ever said, I wish I spent more time at work. No, in, in, in eternity, it's going to be those relationships that matter. I, I often tell young couples with, that have little children, I say, you've you got to enjoy this time because it's going to go by so quick. And every one of us, you know, as we age, we realize that. And even as grandparents, it just it goes so fast. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't let it just go by. I want to close with this one more time. James 4, 14. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Let's make the most of every opportunity. Stand with me. We're going to pray. I'd like for our prayer partners to come.